Welcome to People of Hope, a conversation on finding joy in all things with the pastoral staff of Ignatius House Jesuit Retreat Center in Atlanta, Georgia. Our topic this evening is finding joy in the healing of the spirit. All of us need healing in some, some capacity. Perhaps the pandemic has uncovered unaddressed wounds in your life. Many have sought therapy and spiritual direction as a path to healing. Consider those things in your life that need healing. What role does God's spirit have in that? Perhaps you don't think as much about the Holy Spirit as you do the other two persons of the Trinity. But we have two very spirit-led guests tonight, Marguerite Doctor and Andrew Shoppy. Marguerite is a retired lieutenant commander in the U.S. Navy, serves as an OBGYN in Conyers, Georgia, is an itinerant elder in the African Methodist Episcopal Church. Reverend Dr. Doctor, which I love, serves residents of um, Lee Arendale Correctional Facility in Alto, Georgia. And Andrew Shoppy is one of our board members at Ignatius House. And he'll be leading the conversation tonight um, after Marguerite shares some of her own reflections and her own story. But first, Andrew is going to open us in prayer. Lord, we thank you for this time. We thank you that we are always in your presence in this time when we reflect on the healing that takes place led by your spirit. Um, help us to be open even more than we've become accustomed to, to the joy that comes from just being in your presence of, of letting go of all of our concerns and allowing the awe of God, the awe of you and Father, Son and Holy Spirit to be overwhelming in a way that makes us smile. We pray for the leading of your Holy Spirit in this conversation, and we yield to you in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. As, as I reflect upon my interconnectedness with the triune God, and specifically tonight when I focus on the person of the Holy Spirit, many encounters come to my mind, some of which are painless, some of which are very painful, yet all of them help me to shout out with joy, Romans 8, 28. We know that all things work together for good for those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. One of my early encounters with the Holy Spirit was the day I was called to give my life to Christ. There I was in the balcony of my home church, St. John African Methodist Episcopal Church in Cleveland, Ohio. The nudging of the Holy Spirit encouraged me to walk down the steps, then to the front of the church to profess Christ as my personal savior. What a glorious day that was for me as a teenager. I was already active in a number of youth activities, the youth choir, the usher board, and the young people's division of the missionary society. I knew about prayer and service to the Lord, but it was that day that I connected to the Holy Spirit and changed how I pray and how I served. From that day forward, I surrendered my life to the control of the Holy Spirit and things began to change. 
The Holy Spirit prompted me to change my friendship circle. The Holy Spirit directed me to stop various sinful behaviors. The Holy Spirit led me to Kenyon College, then to Case Western Reserve University School of Medicine. The Holy Spirit had the nerve to change my specialty choice from sports rehabilitation medicine to obstetrics and gynecology. Then the Holy Spirit directed me to join the United States Navy upon graduation from medical school. While I was stationed at Oceanside, California, right outside of San Diego on a Marine base, the Holy Spirit directed me to this Spanish speaking church. I could not find the church that I was originally looking for. I didn't have a GPS. The Spirit drew me inside of the Spanish speaking church. But when I discovered that there would be no translation, I turned to leave the church, but the Holy Spirit said, stay. I sat in the service as the Spirit himself translated the sermon into English. I was blessed beyond measure, yet I could never find that church again. All of the aforementioned guidance from the Holy Spirit revealed good results that almost happened immediately. But not every direction from the Holy Spirit allowed me to see immediate good. There were times of great suffering, scrutiny, and self-doubt. One such time was, is that of my divorce. The Holy Spirit called me into 30 days of fasting and praying about my marriage. I was accustomed to fasting and praying one day per week for it had been, and it continues to be a part of my spiritual discipline, but never for 30 days. I was obedient, and it was during that time that the Holy Spirit revealed to me that my eight years of struggle would come to an end at my own hand. I was called to initiate the divorce based on my husband's adulterous behavior. I didn't know that some wounds were still open until the Holy Spirit instructed me this year in 2020 to write an obituary for my marriage that has been dissolved for over 12 years. Another spirit-led encounter that produced pain was the day I gave a Jehovah's Witness a blood transfusion. The Holy Spirit instructed me to give the order for blood in the operating room as the chief surgeon. No one in the operating room would administer the blood products, including my assistant surgeon. I had to administer the blood myself and then re-scrub to complete the surgery. I was criticized, scrutinized, and investigated for giving that blood transfusion because the patient had signed a consent form refusing blood products. I was not permitted to operate the remainder of my tour despite favorably evaluations, favorable evaluations by five U.S. Navy board-certified OBGYNs across the country. The decision to give that transfusion has followed me my entire career, resulting in rejections and denials. Yes, the obedience to the Holy Spirit led to stings and stains, yet I would do it all again because the Spirit led me. All things do work together for good. I later learned that the transfusion recipient professed Christ shortly after our encounter. I had told her that my God would not let me let her die. The hospital appointment denials led me to places off my radar to receive bountiful blessings and to be a blessing. I have witnessed to hundreds of women helping them navigate marital strife and or divorce. I am stronger. I am wiser and so much better because of these encounters. I choose to follow God's lead and I dance with the spirit every day. The dance may be one of celebration or one of lament. The dance of lament 
after the sexual abuse was transformative and heart-wrenching. Yet, God equipped me to care for others who were emotionally, psychologically, physically, and spiritually wounded like myself. I listened as the Spirit gave me words and wisdom to facilitate healing. Because I have a radical obedience to the heart of God, I listen to the Holy Spirit. I must admit, there is great joy in that purpose. I am so grateful that the same Holy Spirit who filled Jesus and anointed him now fills me and anoints me. Blessed and praise be to our God. Amen. Marguerite, uh, thank you so much for, for sharing all that you shared um, ever since we've we've met, and I guess I'll, I'll, I'll piggyback on what Andy was saying, Reverend Dr. Dr. Marguerite, um, you, you know, the, the joy of the spirit just exudes just in your words and, and, and how you speak. And um, I was wondering if you can reflect back on when you were a young girl and a teen, because I know previously you shared how you, you were discerning the spirit back then, you know, what that experience was like, because, you know, at times it can be very, it's not always clear to discern the Holy Spirit, you know, and you have to, you may sit through some times where you're not really sure, you know, of, of what to do or where his voice is, but how did you begin discerning the spirit as a young girl and as a teen? As a teenager, uh, I began to discern the spirit as I began to read uh, the Bible more and more. I'm very blessed because I was raised in a community of faith, in a family of faith. And so I was introduced to prayer and introduced to uh, Bible reading quite early in my life. And so it was as a teenager where I would be in a time of prayer and I would feel, uh, it initially began as a feeling, an overwhelming sense of calmness. And I, I didn't always know what that meant. And then I would be directed to open the scriptures. I would be directed to a particular verse in the Bible. And then those verses began to talk about the Holy Spirit. And once you uh, profess Christ and, and that the Spirit lives within you and greater is he, that was the scripture that began to minister to me as a teen. Greater is he than within you than he that is in the world. And so I was peculiar. My friends thought I was strange <laughs> because I was a very uh, honest teenager um, in our little groups and traveling. The leaders and uh, supervisors, when they wanted the truth, they always knew to me because I was going to tell what we really did. <laughs> but it was, as a teen, it was the Spirit just speaking through the scriptures. Initially, the Spirit spoke through the scriptures to me. And then um, later in my life, I began to hear the Spirit through various realms, but initially it was through the scriptures. Okay, that's awesome. Um, voice of truth. Uh, I know you and I have gotten to know each other over the years, uh, most most recently from the engagement with the Survivors Brunches. And as you alluded to in your remarks, part of your story um, is that of being a survivor. Can can you share about the journey of being obedient to the Spirit's voice in that in the recovery from that and how the joy has been present or evolved in the process? Yes, the Spirit of the Lord has guided me through this whole process. Uh, even during the abuse, I, I could hear God telling me that I was going to be okay. And, and afterwards, I didn't tell my parents. 
I didn't share it with anyone. It was just between me and God. And the Holy Spirit would keep me. Um, there was times when I was dating and and the and the young man would touch me in a certain way and and then I would I would be disturbed by that and but the spirit I would I would just pray and then uh, that's when I really learned how to create boundaries and to really set things for myself and God just continued to speak through me and I just used uh, readings of healing I spent a lot of time in Jeremiah and reading Jeremiah I spent a lot of time in the Psalms reading and God began to minister to me. And there are many times and many avenues that I wanted to share my story. I wanted to share my story, but every time I wanted to share my story, I was prompted not to do so because it wasn't safe. It wasn't the place. It wasn't the time. And there were many times that I thought, oh my God, I could be helpful to this young lady. I know what she's talking about. It happened to me. I know, but the Lord would say no. And because I had always been obedient, I was. And I was amazed because I've been coming to the survivor brunches as a clinician, as someone who's been caring for people with abuse. And I feel like I have an expertise in terms of helping the patients and helping the survivors. And so I never imagined that that would be the first place that I revealed my abuse that happened as a child. This, And so when the spirit told me to say it, and it wasn't the first brunch I went to. I had been going for a while. Right. And when the spirit said, speak, and I kept thinking, why now? He said, this is the place. Hmm. It's safe. And so I just told my story that I was not only a, a provider, but I was also a survivor that was thriving. And yeah. I pretty much, I didn't do it alone. I will never tell anyone that I did it alone. It was right. by the grace and the movement of the Holy Spirit that I survived and he sequestered me. And I believe I was sequestered so that I could be healed. I was sequestered so I could be drawn closer to him so that I could understand that broken people can do my work. And one of my favorite sayings is that broken crayons still color and I still color with my brightness even after all that brokenness. That's awesome. And it's, it's clear that the evidence of trusting the Holy Spirit and all that. Um, when you, you spoke about, um, you know, throughout those years prior to sharing what you did at the brunch, there might be a young lady that you could sense, you know, was a survivor and you wanted to help. And you chose, you know, out of obedience to, to not say anything. Then what did you, how did you see the Holy Spirit move in that situation, um, even though you didn't share your story for the, for whoever that other young lady might be at that time? Like, Yes. The Holy Spirit during those times, I think, was really teaching me about just the gift of presence, mm. just being there for someone and um, um, listening, having the listening ear, being the shoulder on which they can cry, um, being the person. Um, I'm an encourager. I'm, a, I'm an exhorter. And, and my job was to 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 lift her and to let her know that she could get through this. So I spent those years just giving people the gift of presence and letting them know who they were in the eyes of Christ himself. Okay. Andy? Marguerite, I, I, um, you know, when you, you were sharing your opening comments, um, you used the word surrender, I think, a couple of times. And um, I think that's a word that we can often use in Christian circles. But, you know, you, you, experienced, um, you experienced so many moments of 
hurt and, and lament. I wonder what surrender looks like for you. How, how do you surrender? I mean, maybe for some, maybe it, it means, you know, forgiveness or a kind of letting go. What is that? What is that like for you? Surrender for me means that I get to give all of me to God. I have to surrender all of me to God, the good, the bad, the ugly, the anger, the the stress, all of that. Um, actually, during my right after my during my divorce and right after my divorce, I would um, have these uh, fights that I called with myself. <laughs> And it was the spirit, um, it was that way of my surrendering. And what would happen is, and I always um, uh, use my names. My name is Marguerite Dorothy Elizabeth. Elizabeth often gets bumped out of the picture, but it is one of my middle names. But I used to always say Marguerite Dorothy and Elizabeth would have these confrontations almost every night. And Marguerite was the one who remembered all the um horrible things about what I had been through and was out of order. Mouth was filthy. Dorothy was the one always trying to remember good things, trying to remember the the, the nice things about the marriage. And then Elizabeth was the prayerful one. And she was the one who forced me to always go into the Bible and surrender all these emotions, surrender these emotions. I have to surrender my emotions because if I don't, they will handle me. So my way of handling my emotions is to surrender them all to God. Mm. Surrender looks like giving everything I am, going to ground zero before God and saying, this is the end of me. Please take over. <laughs> I'm at the end of me. Awesome. Marguerite, um, I mean, you're, one of your doctor titles uh, refers to, to being a member of clergy. How did everything that you've just shared here, how did that affect your your faith journey um and then what was the process to get to where you are now you know in the role of of serving others pastorally so i've actually served as a lay person uh, almost uh, a lay preacher uh without an ordination just able to uh, exhort and preach god's word and uh i served in on missionary society i i did that not only as a youth but i've done it my whole adult life and uh just served in that capacity, and then when God called me to ordain ministry, I had been I had been a lay preacher at a, a prayer breakfast in Cincinnati, Ohio, and the drive from Cincy to Cleveland is four hours, and it's during that drive that God called me to ordained ministry, and then that's when I began the process. In the AME Church, we have to, in order to be an itinerant elder, you have to get a Master's of Divinity, and then I pursued that uh, Master's of Divinity, and then again, the Holy Spirit was all in my mix because my plan was to do that three-year MDiv and get out of there. And the Lord, uh, the Holy Spirit spoke to me to do a public health degree. So I did a dual degree at the age of 50. (laughs) I did an MDiv and an MPH and uh, actually did well, praise be to God, at Emory University's Candler School of Theology and Rollins Public School of Health. Uh, Yeah, so I praise God. um, And now I serve, so it allows me to serve and once I said I'm itinerant, so I can move about. So I got ordained in Ohio. Um, I came here for seminary, went back home to finish my ordination process, and then got transferred here. So we can be transferred and moved about. So I've served um, in the church here at Atlanta at St. Philip for these seven, um, well, eight years now. 
Okay. And so the Lee Arendale, the prison ministry, I connected because during my seminary um, practicum, I didn't want to do something in a church. I've been working in a church all my life. I had done all the things you could do in a church. So I decided to work in a prison because I had been affiliated with it back in Ohio. So my practicum um, during seminary was the prison work. And I did that for two years and I've stayed there ever since. So I go back and, and I, after I graduated, I continued to serve. Yes. And, and what it, you were, you were telling Andy and I about that a little bit before, before we jumped on, what is it about the prison ministry that you just feel so led and drawn to? Uh, I love the prison ministry because the women are thirsty for the word of God. They are they are at a place where they want to be healed. And I think it's imperative that they know that the Holy Spirit is in the healing business and that God can use them and that they're just as important in the kingdom as I am. And so I just love being there because you can minister to them and then they bless you. They bless you. Um, they, the Lee Arendelle has the best praise team I've heard. I'm serious anywhere and instruments and giftedness and how God uses them. And so I'm blessed every Sunday that I'm there. Mm, wow. Um, in this, you know, in, in this time of COVID, uh, you've shared with me in, in the previous months about some of the experiences that you've had to go through, um, you know, just being a medical professional, facing COVID yourself. Um, you've been on the front lines. How has how has the spirit led to healing and all that actually going through COVID itself? Because that's certainly uh, something that anybody that's that's online tonight might might be experiencing or might know somebody that's that's experiencing that. I I am so grateful for the work of the Holy Spirit because COVID ravishes your entire body, including your spirit. And I did. I suffered from COVID-19. I was very ill. I tried to do it at home for a week. And then I got to the point where I, my lungs were burning. And I, by the time I arrived to the hospital, I was noted to have pneumonia. And so I spent eight days in the hospital. And I, I'm just grateful that the Holy Spirit ministered to me during that time. I love music. I love listening to the Bible. But I couldn't hear. My ears couldn't receive, my eyes were heavy, I couldn't read, I couldn't see, couldn't hear, everything was noise, but the Holy Spirit spoke to me in my soul and in my mind. So I could recite the hymns and brought back to my remembrance scriptures. And so I was fighting with literally uh, demons asking me to cross over and come see this place. And I, and I felt like I was literally losing my mind and the Spirit of the Lord I heard a still small voice say, you are not crazy. I have you, daughter. I thought I was going to die. And 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 he said, you shall live and not die. And so I, I clung. I, I, I just grabbed hold of that scripture that I shall live and not die. So I tell anyone when you're going through this, your family member, just just trust God and pray and believe that. The, the spirit of the Lord will heal you. The healing process was long. This happened in May. I just recovered in the in, towards the end of July. But thanks be to God, I stayed connected to the spirit. I prayed and God healed me. I know it was the grace of God. I did participate in a drug trial, but it, it wasn't what made me completely better because even after the drug trial, I spent four weeks coughing. I was exhausted. And so I know that it was the Lord that helped me. And I just say, even if you don't know Jesus, if you talk to him right now, 
I love him because he will give you at the end of this. Unlike us, we might turn you down at the very end, but he will let you in even at the end. So please, please just cling on, cling on to the Lord. Hold on tight. Grab a word and just trust God during that time. Yeah, I was I was going to, you know, I was thinking earlier to ask, like, how's all this affected your faith journey? But I think the thing that comes across is it strengthens your it sounds yeah. like your faith has been strengthened and and even it, not necessarily that everything is clear, but you, you mentioned the, the still small voice. You could still see the light like maybe it's just that that you you know, there's a lot of things that the Lord is doing that we'll never know how he's advocating and protecting and healing for us. But he's there. And once you see him, you just hold on. That's what yes. it, that's what comes across. Yes. Yes. I have a better appreciation of those memes that show people hanging on to to branches. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, I felt like, like during, that sometimes I felt like that during that time. Okay. <laughs> I was just barely holding on to that, to that, that branch. And for me, I said, I'm holding on to my roots and my roots are in Jesus. <laughs> gotcha. Gotcha. Um, for, for those, for those who are on here facing all just a variety of uncertainties, not just COVID itself. What, what would you, what would you like for them to hear the most from all that you shared and take away, um, you know, to, to, to get a sense that the Holy Spirit is, is with them? One of the things I'm always happy to share with persons who are in the midst of ambiguity and uncertainty is that cling to what you do know. Go back to your faith file and see what God has done. You know that he rose from the dead. You know that he loves you. So try not to focus so much on what you do not know and what you're not sure of and focus on what you know. And if he did it before, he'll do it again. And there is nothing. My go-to verse is with God, all things are possible. Mm. And without him, I can do nothing. This is the gospel according to Marguerite. Without him, I can do nothing, but with him, I can do everything. Mm -hmm. And so our failures help us to grow this time of ambiguity and uncertainty. I just believe God won't tell us everything and won't reveal everything to us on purpose because right. we're always running ahead. We're right. always trying to find a shortcut. Uh, <laughs> and so every experience God's going to use. So my thing is, no matter what you're going through, no matter how uncertain you are, just believe me, God's going to use everything that you're going through. Yeah. Every single thing that you're going through, God's going to use it. And it's going to be for his glory. And just, it's not about you. Your lesser story fits into the greater story. It's not the, it's not the main act but it fits into the greater story. The main act is he rose <laughs> and he got up with all power in his hand and he gave it to us. And so hold on to that power, lean into that power, connect to that source, knowing that God is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all we can imagine, dream, or even think of. Yeah, that's good. I, I mean, personally, I always find, uh, well, actually, if I had to be honest, I'd say I probably would tell people now more than I did in the past. I don't know. And then and getting comfortable with saying I don't know, because the alternative is to, to get locked into our expectations. But then we miss being in the presence of God and we miss we miss the opportunity to to be in awe and have that wonder, you know, that we're called to as, uh, as children of God to have that childlike faith. So, yeah, yeah. that resonates a lot. 
Amen. Um, Andy, uh, any any last questions as we come up here on eight or? Well, you know, I, I you know our our theme is joy, and um, I think Marguerite, you know, you you clearly exude joy, and I and I imagine there you know, there are people who are experiencing suffering that joy is is hard to it's hard to choose, and and I wonder if you would disagree that it's a choice. Do you feel it's a choice for you? I do believe that joy is a choice. I believe that's the beauty of our Father giving us free will and to choose, to choose, to choose to receive and accept God's love. And so if we can't accept God's love, we can't have joy. And you have to choose joy because joy really comes from the Father. It comes from the Lord himself. So we have to choose love. And so I don't have a problem with calling it a choice. Because I have to, when I see despair, I have to choose joy. When I see uncertainty, I have to choose joy. When I see uh, cloudiness and chaos, I have to choose joy. In all those situations, I have to choose joy. Because if I don't choose joy, then I will get caught up in the negativity. I will get caught up in, in, in the frenzy and the chaotic display of just disorder. And I know that God is a daughter, a, a, a God of order. And I know that the joy of the Lord is my strength, but I have to choose that joy. I can't let the distractions get me. And it is a choice. I choose joy today. It's not happiness because happiness depends on the situation. I was not happy in many instances, but I had joy. I had joy and what the, and I liked it. I saw one of the episodes that uh, the theology of joy and it described it as a, a grace and a mystery and a reality. I think that was a great description because it is. It's a grace, it's a mystery, and it's a reality. And we have to accept God's grace and the mystery of how it works and how it makes us feel and how it pushes us forward. Uh, it just it just catapults us to the next miracle when we choose joy. That's what it does. Well, thank thank you both of you for for the joy um, and 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 also that that surrender that you you truly give to the spirit. Um, you know, it's it's given me a lot to uh, a lot to think about. And thank uh, all, thank you all for uh, for joining us this evening for for listening. Um, you can find us live every third Thursday of each month at seven thirty p.m. Eastern Time. Just follow us on Facebook for updates and access to our live stream. Our next conversation will be on September 17th, where we will talk about the joy of liturgy. Many of us have found ourselves having a different relationship with the Mass and Church and the sacraments and what community means. So we'll discuss how we engage in liturgy and prayer in this strange time. So we hope you can join us then. In the meantime, visit us at IgnatiusHouse.org to learn about how you can join us on retreat. Be well and have a good night. Thanks for listening. Learn more about Ignatius House by visiting us at IgnatiusHouse.org or following us on social media. And be sure to subscribe to this wherever you listen to podcasts. May the blessing of God be with you always. 